Welcome to another episode of Corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization, projects, and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding corporate mortality events. Joining us today is Esther Aguilera. Esther is president and CEO of the Latino Corporate Directors Association and serves on the advisory council of the National Association Center for Inclusive Governance. Welcome, Esther. So glad to have you today. Thank you, Jonna. It's a great pleasure to be here. Can you tell um, our listeners a little bit more about yourself? You've got quite the um, diverse background. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you know, I've had the privilege of working with some of the top leaders in this country from members of Congress, uh, cabinet members. I've organized meetings with the president of the U.S., uh, various presidents, and uh, worked with the top leaders in nonprofit and uh, the business sector. So it's kind of I have a unique kind of cross-sectional exposure and perspective that kind of rolls up. Um, But my path there and here was not a typical one. I'm an immigrant from Mexico. My family moved to California when I was four. And we all went to college um, and in, in grade school and and in college, when I was looking at our history books, I was like, wow, there's not, not our leaders don't look like me or have had my experience. And so that really motivated me to um, pursue public policy. I moved to Washington, D.C. in 1990. And that's where I've had a lot of my, my experience, uh, again, with the various sectors. Um, and today, one of my personal and professional pursuits has been to elevate Latinos to positions of leadership um, and to take our seat at the table. Hmm. Well, that's great. Well, it fits really well into today's conversation where we're going to talk about um, the boardroom. And, you know, the reason this is so important is obviously the board uh, influences the direction of the company and, and really can kind of make or break a company's success. So, you know, one of the trends that I hear about is how, um, you know, our boards don't reflect um, the constituents they serve, the customers they serve. So what are your, what are your observations there? Great question. So first, let me tell you a little bit about the Latino Corporate Directors Association. You know, we've been in operation for maybe five years, so we're somewhat newer, but had to step in quickly. Uh, We were formed by Latinos that serve on publicly traded and large private company boards. And today we're focused on increasing the supply. So in addition to experienced directors, our membership includes board aspiring executives, um, C-suite level, large P&Ls, and other peers that we help support on their journey to the boardroom. So we run a board ready institute. And what's unique about us is that uh, for the first time in the US, we're bringing together the most accomplished and respected Latinos in business. And so it's it's a great network and uh, the learning and sharing and our members r- reaching um, reaching down to bring other executives up and preparing them for the boardroom is really what, what makes this dynamic and unique. So, you know, with that, Jonna, there has been uh, 
a push and a trend to diversify, diversify the boardroom because there are studies that show that diverse boards uh, make better decisions, it avoids groupthink, and is better for uh, business outcomes and shareholder value. Um, but where this started was really with um, the institutional investors, um, the large institutional investors like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, and some of the large pension funds, um, you know, got a hold of the studies that said, you know, if you have diversity, you get better results and returns. And so from, they are, they own shares in the company. So they're the shareholders. And obviously, since the board is accountable to the shareholders, it was, it's now a topic that um, the board can't ignore. So the shareholders um, and the institutional investors started to coalesce and uh, submit letters to the companies asking about their gender and diversity on the board, what their plans are. And if they were not, if they were being ignored, they would, uh, you know, elevate it to submit uh, shareholder resolutions or use the proxy voting after a few years of, of engaging, most companies do engage and and, and got involved. Um, but those that were slow found that um, the investors were, you know, submitting proxies to vote against the NomGov committee or the chair or the board. And so it was interesting that the shareholders had not used that their privilege in that way before. So that brings us to today, uh, mm -hmm. where you have, um, there is an interest to diversify the board, certainly from the shareholder perspective and investor perspective, but also because the, um, the boards are dangerously disconnected from the market trends that we see today. So for example, among the Russell 3000 companies, largest 3000 companies in the US, over 85% of the board members are white Americans. And yet, uh, as we saw from the last census, we probably have over 40% that are diverse and the number is shrinking. So the real market opportunities here is where, you know, the growth in the population is both from uh, employees, to to products so that's where there's a big disconnect and that's where you know there's a a lot of activity going on and why do you think we're um seeing those results and the trends and you're you know why do we see that disconnect what you know i mean i think it's probably pretty obvious but can you speak a little bit about what happens when your board doesn't reflect um the people you serve what kind of decisions get made? What do we see? Well, you know, oftentimes if, you know, everyone has kind of similar experiences, you're going to see things the same way and aren't, you're looking linear rather than to your right and left in what's going on. So, you know, again, those studies have proven that, um, that that doesn't arrive at the best decisions. And in, in general, you know, there is, um, also a movement to better reflect the customers and employees. But there's more at play here. 
And in those numbers, by the way, as our organization, so U.S. Latinos are, we're two in 10 Americans. So we, we're the second largest demographic. And yet among the Russell 3000 companies, we only hold 2.3% of the board seats, which is again, a huge disconnect. You know, our market share is growing 70% year over year um, because it's a, we're 60 million growing a million a year. It's younger. It is uh, the fastest growing uh, workforce base growing 70%, adding 70% of new entrants to the workforce. Plus uh, our GDP share is 2.7 trillion and growing, which if it's a, if it was its own company, it would be, I mean, its own country, it would be like the seventh largest. And if you had, you know, a country where you had robust growth, there's, there is, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of uh, political turmoil, there's some continuity and there's growth. Wouldn't you want to invest and, and have that be a big part of your investment strategy? So that's one example where clearly, you know, companies are, are, are missing out and, our membership, there's there's ample supply. So we, we would hear, why hasn't it been changing? Well, we would hear, well, we can't find qualified Latinos or others for the boardroom. So we set out to change that, as I mentioned, through our membership. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is, you know, things get too cozy and you, you're, if you're not um, pressured sometimes to, to um, change, you kind of keep doing the same old. So that's where that institutional investor engagement has has had an impact. But how about from the consumer point of view, I guess, is where, where I'm headed is like you as a consumer, why do you care who sits on the board? Well, this is actually really important. There's um, both, I, w- I would say, from the consumer perspective and the employee perspective. Mm. The consumer uh, wants to see companies uh, that share the values and appreciate them. So do employees. And so if your C-suite and your leadership does not better reflect them and your your governance, which are your key leaders, that says a lot, a lot about the companies. And the bottom line, in the current times that we're in, certainly in this prolonged pandemic, as well as the social uh, justice kind of uh, the importance to addressing social and racial inequities. It's good for companies and it's good for the country uh, to be inclusive. And so you've got a lot of companies that have uh, made strong uh, statements about their uh, commitment to diversity, again, for the right reasons. But if your commitment to diversity does not, you know, include Latinos, again, two in 10 Americans, then it's incomplete and people are paying attention. So uh, these things uh, matter and um, you have a more engaged uh, employee and customer base today. one of the things you, you touched on, the, like educating people to for the board, which I, you know, uh, really appreciate because one of the things I've actually witnessed is, you know, I don't know how, how familiar with 
you are with what's going on in South Africa, but they've put in government mandates to um, diversify the board. And so they're requiring, um, you know, for black people to be on the board. And I've personally seen this where people have risen to the board level who weren't prepared um, and have made decisions that then um, drove the company to to be you know a quarter of the size that it used to be. So how do we balance that? Because obviously education takes time. So how do we get people educated and prepared? Um, you know, fast enough to 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 help our boards, you know, reflect our our um, population. Mm-hmm. Well, I would approach that from two angles. First, today there is ample talent, and what I mean by that is when you have executives who are in SVP roles or C-suite roles, running large PLs or either general managers. Or, or a PL product leader. Uh, first, it takes the, the uh, skill set and expertise. You can't advance to a board without that. So, first, you know, you have to put the work in. And, you know, definitely if you're in the pipeline, look at certainly PL leadership. You, what boards value is not. And not just a, a functional expertise, because obviously technology is really important too, but how that technology is a strategic piece, how you work on the company's strategic growth through that means. So um, corporate-wide strategic roles and global roles are, are some of the skill sets. So I don't know what happened in, in uh, other countries, but I know that, that here, we're precisely focused on uh, folks that already are have what it takes to get on a board. So with those types of characteristics, and then um, the program we run is is very comprehensive. It's, it's somewhat unique because you, listen, you have great programs uh, at prestigious universities to do corporate governance. Uh, trainings, workshops, case studies, all very good. So, what, but then when you finish that program, you're on your own. What do you do with it? So, what we do is um, first, we are actively recur- recruiting and searching for individuals that we can see are qualified. And we have others that apply um, and submit their candidacy. And so, um, they are part of our membership. So then they're part of a network of current and former CEOs, corporate directors, and other peers in the C-suite and, and senior senior roles. Uh, plus, we give them a, a toolkit to chart their pathway to the boardroom. It starts with you know, preparing your board bio, your pitch, your value proposition, and practicing how you talk to colleagues because still... 85% of the time you get on your first board through people who know you. Mm-hmm. So you have to let them know you're interested, but you also have to have a smart conversation about, you know, what's going on in the boardroom and how you can add value. So there's coaching involved um, and there's a lot of networking involved. So it's a very comprehensive. So we want, our goal is corporate governance excellence, but also for 
individuals to walk into that boardroom, you know, a little more prepared. Nothing can really prepare you completely, but it really does um, position you to, you know, contribute right away. Yeah, you know, the, I, I think the networking is really important as well because, you know, my observation is a lot of, you know, a lot of, I guess, the lack of diversity isn't always intentional. It's like, oh, I need, you know, I as a leader, I need this thing and I know this person, so I'm going to go to who I know and who I know just happens to reflect a lot of who I am. And so, so like you said, getting out there and networking and, and diversifying our, our networks can then translate to um, what the board looks like. So, but I guess the other side of that though, is that, I mean, how much effort are boards that you've seen putting into like you know, maybe it takes a little effort to find people, right? Other than, oh, I know this person, let's just bring him in for an interview. Like how, how you know, are you seeing them put in the effort to expand their, um, your, their net? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yes. I mean, there's anywhere from about 35% of the searches that um, are supported by search firms, but the vast majority are not. And, you know, you know, there's organizations like ours there. We work in a coalition with the women corporate directors, SN Pinnacle, Asian and Pacific uh, Islander directors, black corporate directors conference and quorum, which is the LGBTQ plus directors. And so there's more networks today besides these organizations and others that are surfacing great talent. Um, You know, we take a, a very serious and rigor approach to it. Um, so we help and work directly with companies as well. And, and part of it is first making some introductions and just getting to know a, a broader array of peers mm-hmm. that when the time comes uh, for you to start thinking about a board, you've already had some conversations or you know broken the ice and gotten to know each other. That's what we uh, help with and we advise because, you know, uh, Certainly, the um, the needs of the board might change, uh, but at least you've had some comfort levels, and um, you know that's always really important. So there is uh, more resources to for boards today than ever before. And, but it but to your point, it does need to be intentional, mm-hmm. especially with U.S. Latinos. I mean, why is our numbers we have? the lowest number and percentage of any other group of Asians and blacks and others, uh, because we're often, you know, not top of mind. And clearly this is such an important uh, constituency in in customer base and and, uh, potential for growth in the market. So that's our job to, you know, talk about it and why and, and, and make sure that it's uh, an easy reach to find ample talent uh, to bring value to the boardroom. When we talk about diversity in in our our country right now, it's often around ethnicity or um, beliefs and things like that. But you said something at the beginning where you said you were you know, part of the reason you do what you do is you were looking um, at the history books and saw nobody with your experience. So what about diversity and experiences? How, how important is that um, as well? 
Well, I think it, you know, first of all, for example, the U.S. Latino community is very diverse. And so there's a lot of intersectionality. You have Afro-Latinos, you have, you know, um, there's, there's a lot that that we have in common and as a community. But, you know, I think you're going to find various experiences. But, but in general, we're talking about, uh, you know, boards should better reflect their customer and employee base and and the customer and employee base they want to work towards in the future which again the country is becoming more diverse and so it's really more around that um and there's various ways to arrive at it but uh you know we just say just don't ignore one of your biggest and growing consumers or employees absolutely um yeah you mentioned you um the the kind of I guess, board members or, or companies that are having more uh, activist notions. And, and some of them are probably important issues to get involved in. But how much do you think that companies are becoming overly involved in the not, you know, not necessarily in diversity, but like across the breadth of, of issues where, um, you know, the company's there to provide a product or a service, and here they are spending tons of time getting involved in, you know, whatever social movement it is. And what are your just thoughts on there? Is it helping or hurting? Well, I would say two things. One, you know, as you know, the business environment today is more complicated than ever. You have the technology, you have innovation, but then you also have to make sure that you are forward thinking because you've got uh, a new startup that can compete and how do you stay ahead of the curve? Plus, you know, there's a, a lot of different risks with cybersecurity. So, I mean, if we think about companies of even 20 years ago versus where we are today, it's a huge difference. And so um, the, the other added element here is in the board space, we are seeing the role of the director is now um, has to tackle a lot more issues the same way that the company is. And at the same time, I think executives today who are at the front lines of digital transformation or you know so much transformation that's going on in business are great candidates for the boardroom. So the other related trends here is one, there is um, companies have always been involved with their stakeholders. In the boardroom, it has been, uh, the board is accountable to the shareholders. So there's been, obviously you wanna have a sustainable growing, a company that's growing, but also sustainable with shareholder value. Uh, but more and more, the board also needs to um, pay closer attention to the corporate culture and the stakeholders. Still the stakeholders, I think is more of the role of the CEO and, and the team, but mm. the corporate culture, I mean, you talk about products and uh, clearly that's, that's um, your, your business line, but you can't have a great product without the people. Mm, and the people today, as we're seeing in our current work environment, where there's the great you know, exodus and people are reevaluating the kind of work environments they want to be in, corporate mm -hmm. culture matters. 
and uh, companies that do not pay attention to it will find that you know they're going to lose market share. It does impact it, and so the boards have to pay attention and ask the right questions. They're not there to do the CEO or executive's role. They're there to ask questions and find out. Well, you know, there's a huge new employee base. How are we capturing those, and how are we making sure we're you know diverse? Um, in the pipeline and in the C-suite uh, because it makes you more relevant in those spaces. Um, so, you know, so there's a, a stakeholder and shareholder conversation. Um, and I would say there's also, um, you know, again, that corporate culture conversation, they go kind of hand in hand. To accentuate the corporate culture, we saw that with the Me Too movement. I mean, companies were destroyed because you know, CEOs and executives made really dumb decisions and the board wasn't necessarily, maybe was or wasn't asking the questions or calling it to account. And so you saw huge companies just obliterate. Um, and that, again, is part of the role of the board and, and shareholders are asking the board, where were you at, you know, when, when this was happening? And so if you had more women around the table or, you know, people of color, they might be, well, that, that, um, you know, that type of conduct is not appropriate. Whereas maybe in a guy's scenario, it might be like, oh, you know, it's just guys. Um, but I, I think this is a very serious note here. And that is um, because we tend to, value obviously performance and performance is important regardless but when you have um someone who let's say is a strong performer and yet is not a great supervisor either because they're uh, poisoning the environment or not acting appropriately um we sometimes have a tendency to give them a pass because they're performing mm. You'll find that when you take away that there's there, it poisons the culture, it poisons that team. The team is not performing at its peak with that kind of supervisor, um, with that kind of leader. And you'll find that when you take away the bad actor and and the poison pill, you have you know people who can really perform to their capacity and so there's a lot of i mean this is not a board level conversation but this is a conversation that um boards should be are we taking the appropriate actions are we responding to what needs to be responded to because it's going to come back in a form of a lawsuit or something else and so again um corporate culture your employees matter as much of course as the product so are you suggesting, I guess, that in, in my perception of the board, it's all very performance-based, right? The CEO comes in and he reports, here's the performance of my different departments, and here's where we sit with revenue, and um, here's the risks, right? The risks that, that are potentially um, our company is facing. How... How is the messages around, like, you know, use the example of me too and inappropriate behavior. How are those even going to reach the board? 
like, are you suggesting they get more involved at a lower level or that the CEO needs to be bringing those up? And if the CEO is the cause of it, then, um, you know, how, how is the board going to know? Sure. Well, look, all board meetings do have uh, some aspects of where the these things are recorded and asking mm -hmm. specific questions, whether it's there or not are important for the board to be asking. And if, you know, later on you find that someone lied to you um, and there was that conduct, you know, the board, you know, can't be, I mean, they can show, hey, we specifically asked about this. We need to have leaders that are honest and really look at the best interest of the company um, and so that has to be part of the conversation is people asking the right questions. And, and you know, oftentimes they'll have kind of an independent um, group come in and do, uh, uh, you know, testing the culture and other topics that might might exist. Um, you know, I think these things do bubble up. There's, you know, there's also so many web based uh, places where people can disclose or talk about what the corporate culture is at a particular company. And so a lot of this is a lot more um, open and disclosed in other ways. So I think paying attention to all of those things um, mm. matters. Okay. Well, so, you know, this has been a really uh, enlightening conversation. In summary, what would be your top three recommendations for companies to do to ensure their boards are, um, you know, created in a way that's going to support the ongoing success of their company? Sure. Well, one, as I say, I mentioned, uh, the board should better reflect their customers and employees. And in doing so, first of all, there's, again, ample talent that has experience and diverse. So you can have both. It's not uh, a trade-off in any way. And so there's a lot of rigor, obviously, to any board search. Um, but, you know, make sure you're in. The second thing is be, so reflect your customers' employees. Be intentional. Um, have, you know, if you don't have any diversity on your board, all of your next candidates for the board should be diverse and you'll find ample just it would be really hard to pick so you know that's a, another best practice and third the role of the nominating and governance committee chair is very important and today um what you know i often hear from nomgov chairs who will who will say you know our customer base is changing we have a lot more young customers, Latinos, you know, I want to start to get to know some, um, some of your members that, you know, there's no guarantee now we don't have a board seat, but, you know, we want to be prepared. And I think that is a forward looking NOMGOV chair. That's a forward looking uh, board because they've had the conversation in the boardroom that says, okay, they have, and the last recommendation is they have a, they have a skills ma matrix in terms of, um, you know, what is relevant for the business and what's trending. Uh, and they have a diversity matrix to see, okay, what are our customer bases? What should, what are we missing in terms of, of those voices? And the, the, the best pitch here would be someone that brings a skill set and is diverse, which again is uh, members want 
to come in for their skill set and then also bring their value um, from their various perspectives. And that, um, by the way, that institutional investors are asking also for the skills matrix and more disclosure on all of this. Um, investors are asking for companies to disclose their EEOC data and their anything around wage gaps. So they're getting more involved in asking these questions because they do see it as good company performance and you know better sustainable progress. Hmm. That's great. Mm, yeah. So, so Esther, if, if people wanted to learn more about what your organization does or, you know, connect with you, how's the best way for them to do that? Well, we have our website, latinocorporatedirectors.org, and you can find us and uh, information about membership, information about the Board Ready Institute, and information about our annual board leaders convening, plus... Uh, we have research. Uh, we have a, a, a board tracker. Uh, we track the Fortune 1000 companies and which have Latino directors and which don't. So those that do have at least one get a star. Those that have more than one get two stars. And those that don't are, you know, glaringly, you know, missing out. And we actually have written letters to uh, the companies that don't kind of making the business case as well as you know the opportunity because to say there is talent pool and we can help oh that's great well thank you so much for being a guest today well thank you for having me and to our listeners until next time keep your organizations healthy